I am not the cake <laughs> stuff. You guys complained about the cake. I didn't complain about I'm the cake. I'm never making you cake ever again. September 21st, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Cake Snob, and with me today are my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and the next contestant on Via's de Mole, Gordon Derrick, and Paul Paters, Master Student, Taxi Driver, and Pension Horse. So who wants to go first with these ridiculous job titles today? What's happening with the cake baking? What's the this latest? is not. I am not the cake snob. <laughs> Paul is the cake snob, and now he cannot have any of the cake that I oh, made. That's too bad. Yeah. Was it definitely cake this time? Not shortbread or crackers. Now you or... can't have any cake either, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is that I like to bake, hmm. and I make cakes. Why is that a problem? Because I'm really bad at decorating, making cakes pretty. So usually, what I make are like cookies or brownies or something that like does not have to be decorated. Yeah. But Last night, Niels asked me if I would make a cake instead of something else, so I made a cake, and of course, the decorating situation was not good. So Niels is here to cake snob. No, Niels told me, came home and said the cake to look beautiful, because he loves me unconditionally. <laughs> I sent a picture to Paul, and you described it as what Theresa May has done with Brexit. <laughs> yeah, but you put some sprinkles on top yeah. of it. I did. And then I brought some cake for us to have today, but now I'm just going to go give it to someone else. Because it's a homeless person. Yeah. Speaking of bringing things, I have something for you. Oh, uh-oh. This is terrifying. Oh no! Mango chili strobe waffles. Oh, this is very exciting. You can you can taste them and you can tell us. Uh, I'm very yeah, excited. You can do the about first these. taste test and then not hand them out and then just <laughs> take them away and then burn them. <laughs> I'm gonna eat them all. No, it's you're gonna, gonna have to amazing. taste them now. Right now, right this yeah, second. Right now. Yes, yes please do. So our listeners know. Yeah. And while we do this, Paul's going to tell us all about his 527 pension funds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but we talked about pensions. Yeah, we've got uh, such a pension. I think Hank Cole got a mention somewhere. Hank Cole got mentioned, and yeah. you can't mention Hank Cole if you don't mention yeah. pensions. But Paul, you mentioned that you started saving for your pension when you were about five years old, and you've now got seven of them <laughs> no, or something. <laughs> uh, when I got my first job, I was 15, and uh, yeah, it also included that you were enlisted to a pension fund. So uh, since I'm 15, I'm saving. Guys, my pension. Guys, these are really good. I don't believe you. They're I really tasty. You. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try it too and I'm gonna... The mango chili strobe waffles from Albertheim, super tasty. Molly approved on the Dutch News podcast. They're nice. I don't approve. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's yeah. kind of vaguely mango and chili-y. It's not <laughs> overwhelming. I no. think it's very pleasant. Mm. It, it's not worse not than really I expected, but no. still, I wouldn't want to eat it. I can, I can tolerate it. I, yeah. yeah, that's the best I can say. I, I understand now why Seabunt Bruma is so concerned about, <laughs> yeah. about, about Dutch culture. Next, next, next episode, you, you, you're going to have to sing the Wilhelmus. This could be the definition of uh, the average Dutch person, right? Like, the average Dutch person does not eat a flavored strobaffel. <laughs> but Paul, yes, he, so you had your first pen, pension when you were 15, and you got your yeah. first job, and then? And then, I, uh, uh, every time I got a new job... Uh, I had a new pension fund, mm. so now I have three pension funds, and I get mail from them all the time. So every month I got an update on that I didn't increase my pension because I stopped working in that field. What are you doing, Molly? I'm waiting for you to pause so I can put the thing back <laughs> on us and uh, put it over there. So now I have uh, three pension funds, and uh, yeah, that's more than Molly, I guess. <laughs> no, that's not true. Would oh. you like to hear my fun and exciting pension fund story? Not at all. No, but you're going to tell us anyway. So in the Netherlands, if you are married, you are entitled, uh, if you get divorced, 
to your spouse's pension for the time, some sort of amount of time that you were married for, right? So it's like not that you're entitled for the whole rest of their life, but for the period of time that you're married, you're entitled to some of this. So of course I was married while living in the Netherlands and I got divorced. And you can make the choice when you're getting divorced to say you don't want to be entitled to your spouse's pension, which I said, first of all, it's not a whole lot of money. And also like, I don't need your pension, so this is fine. But uh, the person whose pension is in question here has to file this paperwork with the pension company within two years of the divorce being finalized. And he worked at two places in the Netherlands, so he has two pensions. And my ex-husband, who I hope is not listening to this podcast, has many good qualities, but like any sort of administrative nonsense is not among them. <laughs> and he never filed the paperwork. So it just automatically reverted back to the status quo, meaning I am now entitled to part of these two pensions. And I also have my own pension. So I also have three pensions that I constantly <laughs> get mail from. <laughs> nice. Yes. And Gordon, you're the next uh, contestant. Gordon, on, do you uh, have a pension? I do actually have a pension. Oh, okay. I did have at least two, I did have two pensions, which I've now... When I emigrated, I consolidated into a, um, a, single, into pension. a single pension. Yeah. There you go. So, well, welcome to the Dutch Pension yes, Podcast. Everyone, everyone is overpensioned. Yeah. 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 Everyone yeah. is yeah. overpensioned. Next week, a hen call will be phoning in and stealing <laughs> all our pensions. <laughs> 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 Trying to take our pensions away. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be the next contestant on Vies de Mall, Gordon. Well, apparently not, because I've been banned from going on Vies de Mall in the uh, extremely unlikely event that uh, my book, which was published last week, by the way, uh, sells lots of copies. Um, Your book, what's, which, what's, what's the name it called? <laughs> uh, it's called All the Time We Thought We Had. And where is it available? It's available from, it'll be, uh, from Pachmann from uh, next week, because I'm doing a book launch. In Parkman, it's happening in Are we generally Tuesday. inviting all of the listeners to your book launch? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Everyone can come. I really yeah. hope that some random listeners show up. I, I would love that. All three of us will be there. Yeah. Please, all three of us will be being our yeah, usual please do terrible come along. human beings. Yeah, there will be... Um, cast yeah. angles? There could well be casting. There better yeah. be casting. Well, I'm negotiating the casting. I was right, yeah. that's what, right <laughs> straight off this podcast. Uh, but my um, youngest son has told told his grandmother that I'm not allowed to go on Vista Mall because I mean I was going away for three weeks and he couldn't miss me for that. Oh, so, oh, that's so cute. So, but I, I think this dilemma will probably resolve itself in that I will never get famous enough to go on Vista Mall. You don't know that. No. They, they <laughs> never they never ask famous people anymore because we ran out of famous. This <laughs> country only 17 million people in it. This week, we'll talk mostly about the official favorite holiday of the Dutch News podcast, Budget Day. Gordon will update you on sports things, and we will tell you why ballooning is the worst hobby ever. But first, Paul, what is this week's Ophef? The Ophef of the week involves a video made by the VVD. On the morning of Prinsjesdag, the VVD tweeted a video with several MPs and ministers in a bizarre montage. Uh, and they were showing off their Prinsjesdag outfit. The video received many negative comments, not only by the public, but also from other politicians. Uh, the former Tweede Kamerleader of uh, ChristenUnie, John van Boven, which is a, which is a nice name mm -hmm. for the ChristenUnie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he tweeted that uh, apparently the VVD can no longer use arguments to convince people to vote for them. And CDA MP Omtzigt tweeted that people uh, should not be uh, distracted by these kind of videos. Prinsjesdag is not about the hats, but about the thousands of pages with hundreds of proposals, some of uh, which ministers might not want to be discussed in the news. But it is also about the hats. It's, really, it's just about the hats and the horses. The hats, yeah. the horses. Yeah. And, the horses. and the carriages. And the yeah. briefcases. And I have to say, Groenlings yeah. had the best response. I was, I was just going to bring on the Groenlings response. That was fantastic yeah. yeah we'll link to the uh, to the original well i think you should tell the listeners what it was briefly as well i mean it's so hard <laughs> like how do you so i described the original vv day video as what happens if the intellectual dark web finds out that it has <laughs> iMovie on their yeah. mac like, but the cool things one is more like what happens when gogglebox watches the intellectual yeah. dark web so, so what they so. did was so they took this video and then you know there's the all these videos it's, it's a popular thing on the you 
YouTubes that the kids are doing where they do like people react to something and so they had like teens reacting to the video but basically what they had done is taken a video of two girls reacting to what must be some sort of like horror movie or video and so they're just like screaming and crying and it's like fairly well matched up with when uh, people come on the screen. Yeah, cool. yeah they did very well. Yeah. Four children have been killed when a train hit an electric wagon in which they were carried to school at a level crossing in Os on Wednesday morning. Another child and an adult were badly injured and are treated in the hospital. Three of the victims, two were killed and the injured child, are sisters. The children were being taken from their before-school daycare center to school in an electric vehicle known as a stint. According to eyewitnesses, it appeared the brakes had failed and the vehicle drove through the level crossing barriers. The accident happened shortly before 8.30 on Wednesday morning and was witnessed by many people, including several children near Oswest Station. The Dutch Safety Board launched an investigation into the accident. Prime Minister Mark Rutte and other politicians expressed their horror at the incident and Queen Maxima sent her condolences to the victims' families on behalf of her and her husband. Hundreds laid flowers at the location of the accident in Os during the day. A spontaneous memorial service was attended by hundreds of people, including the mayor of Os and a group of firefighters who responded to the accident. This is just such a horrific story. It's a dreadful story. It's and so it, horrible. Yeah, and it seems to be this, what the eyewitnesses were saying, that the brakes just failed on the bike. Now, perhaps we should actually say for people who maybe are listening who aren't in the Netherlands or aren't familiar with these things, what these bikes are like. Yeah, uh, they're like a, it's kind of like a... A Segway with a wheelbarrow front. Yeah, sort of, sort of a giant sort of tub, isn't the front? Yeah. The children sit in. They're all strapped in, and then the person on the back doesn't pedal. It's electric power, so they just stand. Yeah. And it seems that for some reason something's gone wrong with the mechanism, so yeah. that it didn't break. I mean, they're the they're very common. It's, I mean, I, and extremely safe as yeah. well. You see them buzzing around. Yeah. Also, I know a lot of this international coverage has sort of said, "Oh, why are you transporting kids in these things?" But they're very commonly used, yeah. and they're extremely safe. I mean, thousands yeah. of them being yeah. used currently in the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't know the specifics of this incident, but you know the brakes could have failed on your car or on mm. your regular bike as well. I mean, this is unfortunately a thing that, that happened. Not that I don't think that they shouldn't investigate and, and see and stuff. Yeah, there has been discussions in recent months about level crossings. Wasn't yeah. it? Uh, this was a barrier level crossing, so I mean, most of the talk has actually been about unbarred crossings. Yeah. But again, it's sort of raised the question of when you've got a country with lots of trains moving at high speed, is it a good idea for people to just be crossing the train lines? Yeah, yeah there's a crossing in Delft sort of outside of the city centre that's a, ba a barriered crossing right so it has like a crossing bar thing that comes down and it's sort of if you come at it from one direction it's like kind of at the bottom of a, like a somewhat like a little bit of a slope right it's not a very steep slope but every time I've cycled up to it I have wondered what would happen if like you know you slipped or like it was raining or like your brakes didn't work on your bike as a train was coming I mean it just seems incredibly dangerous to me. Mm. I was reading something that said that the Netherlands has more of these kinds of crossings than any other country in Europe does. Yeah, there's a safety board report, isn't yeah. there, again, uh, this month, which again was mainly about the unbarred report, uh, yeah. crossings, but it was quite damning and said that really, that, that, because this discussion has been dragging on for years and nothing's really been done to make these crossings safer. Yeah, yeah and these, uh, these stints, the, there are thousands of them in the Netherlands uh, and they appear to be safe. There were no major incidents with them since they started selling them in 2012. But still, there are some daycares in the Netherlands who now said that uh, they're not going to use it until they know mm. for sure if they are safe or not. I mean, I think that that's a reasonable response. Yeah, that seems sensible. Our thoughts are with the, the family, and uh, we hope that the two people who are in the hospital are, are doing as best as they can be. Yeah, very much. Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra has delivered his first budget since the new government took office last November. Hoekstra said the financial plans would make the Netherlands, quote, stronger, safer and more prosperous. 
The headline figures are favourable. GDP is forecast to grow by 2.8% in 2018 and 2.6% next year. The budget surplus has risen to 10 billion euros and unemployment is at a historic low of 3.5%. But fewer than half of people say they trust the coalition and Prime Minister Mark Rutte acknowledged that many people were not feeling the benefits in their pocket. He said it was time to, quote, give something back to society, quote, for enduring the financial crisis. We'll be taking a closer look at the budget plans in our discussion later in the show. Yeah, you soon forget that uh, this is the first budget of the government. We have them now for almost a year, and this is the first time that they uh, have a budget that they can actually do something um, and and impose some new um, policies. And uh, what what was also very fun, I thought, was uh, every year at Prinsjesdag, the NOS uh, does a survey on how popular the cabinet is, and they found out that Mark Rutte is both the most popular (laughs) member of the cabinet and the most unpopular member of the cabinet. He's literally the man who does everything. It's Schrodinger's (laughs) popularity contest. There will be no transition period for international workers receiving the 30% ruling. Tax Minister Menno Snell confirmed in July he is to cut the duration of the tax break from eight to five years without a transition period, and internationals had hoped that, after protests, the budget might reveal a change to that plan. Unfortunately for campaigners, that was not the case. We discussed the 30% ruling and what it entails in depth in a previous podcast, so we will link to that in the liner notes. So uh, that's in then. Probably not. The Expats United Foundation, an advocacy group which started after Snell made his announcement, has raised 18,000 euros in crowdfunding to pursue a legal claim against the government, and they intend to go forward with that challenge. So I think we'll be seeing more. On Wednesday, VVD MP Klaas Dijkhoff launched a controversial plan to double punishments for crimes committed in problem neighborhoods, just before the start of the Algemene Politieke Beschouwingen, the most important debate of the year. In an interview with Algemeen Dagblad, Dijkhoff said he believes integration in the Netherlands has failed and that the government should do more to give people the freedom they should have. Compulsory lessons in democratic values and traditions are also part of the plan, and people who do not cooperate should face benefit cuts. Dijkhoff's plan is based on measures being taken in Denmark to prevent ghetto forming. He wants the government to draw up a list of neighborhoods where more than 50% of the population is of non-Western descent and where crime and unemployment is high and education levels are low. Dijkhoff said the goals of the plan is to liberate people from parallel societies, especially women who are not allowed by their husbands or fathers to leave the house, and children who do not learn the Dutch language before they start going to school. We are not a free country if that freedom is not for everyone, Dijkhoff said. Although he wants to take their freedom away for twice as long if they commit an offence. <laughs> well, so and also, you know, work? compulsory democratic values education. I mean, th- that doesn't sound like re-education camps at all. Mm. Sounds like school. If somebody, no. if you had heard this plan, there's a report that came out today that China said that, like, they were going to force two-year-olds to go to preschool and mm. spend 25 hours away from their families, which is, like, what the law in Denmark says. For re-education, everyone would be like, Communism is terrible, and this is why we shouldn't have it. Like, it's awful to have a yeah. fascist country. But, but just a basic thing of, of having a list of problem neighborhoods, but only the ones that have too many immigrants in them. Yeah. It's a, it makes no, no and non-Western sense. You know, immigrants, non-Western, right? Which is like a weird distinction yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't include the Japanese, no. if you go into the f- official government decision. Right, yeah, definition of, of non-Western. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. The whole thing is so crazy. <laughs> you know, these, this whole thing, they're like, well, they don't learn Dutch before they go to school. Like, well, if your parents are both not native Dutch speakers, mm. it doesn't matter. I don't care where you 
you come from. You can come from a sub-Saharan Africa country. You can come from America. Like, they are not going to learn Dutch before they go to school. And that's fine. Four-year-olds pick up on Dutch a-okay. Mm. And how, how did the other politicians respond to this plan? Yeah, because he, he, uh, he presented this in the Algemene Beschouwingen, mm. uh, and al almost all of them responded very critical, um, including his coalition partners. For example, Alexander Pechtold of D66 said the plan was idiotic, and he will personally block the plans if Dijkhoff was, uh, was uh, serious. Love some Alexander Pechtold. Mm. Um, and he also said it was a very transparent trick by the VVD uh, to divert attention from the plans to scrap the dividend tax. Sibron Buma, also a coalition partner, said it cannot be the case that, for example, uh, attacking a paramedic in one street is punished less than in uh, another. And uh, Christian Union leader Seger said uh, the plan uh, reduces individuals to neighborhoods. Of the opposition parties, uh, SP leader Marijnissen suggested uh, to focus on the real problem areas, such as the Zuidas in Amsterdam, which is a, a financial and banking district. And Denk leader Kuzu called the plan postcode racism. There were some pretty good responses, mm. and those are some pretty savage remarks. I'm, I'm, I'm improving of the SP and Denk in this situation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not surprising that uh, only Geert Wilders uh, supported the plan, even though he uh, said the plan uh, lacked focus on, uh, on Muslims. Yeah. Mm. Um, your plan is bad if mm. only Hart Builder supports it. Yes, this yeah. is a uh, universal that, truth. That, that, that's a fairly reliable yeah. guide, isn't it? Yeah. But I just wonder what, what Decker was thinking of when even his coalition partners came out strongly against it. I mean, did they not just discuss it at the coalition no. meeting? No, he that didn't. Morning? He, he like, said he yeah. didn't even discuss it with uh, with Mark Rutte. Yeah. He uh, came up with the plan on his own. So I we linked to we will link to in the liner notes a few um, descriptions of the, the the situation that they actually have in Denmark, which has basically been shown by most academic research, people who research into these sort of sociological issues uh, to basically not work. Mm. And that pretty much universally, if you do anything that's supposed to make situations more inclusive by segregating people out of them, it, it's ne it never works. Yeah. So like whether or not you think that there are these problem neighborhoods, the ways to fix them are not by like forcing kids in those neighborhoods to go to a special preschool where they're yeah. going to be indoctrinated. Yeah, I was uh, reading some stuff yesterday about um, an area which is quite just up the road from me called Downdorp in The Hague, which is uh, also a problem neighborhood, but not many immigrants. And they wanted to do, in, uh, there was a lot of problems with uh, people, especially actually migrants who had moved in there, having their windows smashed in, all that kind of thing, and graffiti being sprayed. And they wanted to do um, a study into criminality in the neighborhood. And the mayor actually came out and said, no, you shouldn't do that. It stigmatizes the population. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Only one place to start with this week's sports news. The dick has risen again. <laughs> dick Advocaat started work on Monday as a new head coach of FC Utrecht. Advocaat has signed on until the end of the season, and at the age of 70, he's vowed it will be his last job in football. Do again. we believe him? No, yeah. he, he said that last time as well, which we'll come to. Less Here's times. Let's yeah. we forget the most successful Dutch national team manager ever, which I always feel obliged to say because it's so unlikely. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, you know, stopped clocks right twice a day. Like. Yeah. He has also said he wants to end his career on a high note to make up for the disappointment of being relegated last season with Sparta, which was then his last job in Dutch football. <laughs> but he's going to have his work cut out from the start because Utrecht are currently 14th in the Eredivisie. They're two points above the relegation zone. And he's going to miss two first-team players. Midfielder Ubi Emmanuelsen was sent off and Sander van der Streek picked up an injury during the 2-1 home defeat to Emmen at the weekend. Because uh, Dick Advocaat played for Utrecht back in the 80s, we've seen lots of pictures of the young Dick. Has this swayed your opinion of... Uh, 
of, of Dick Lawyer I mean, at all. I don't know how my opinion of Dick Lawyer could be literally any higher. <laughs> he is the only decent thing about sports in this nation. <laughs> yeah, wow. Colin Colle- uh, revealed um, this week that uh, she has a map of the Netherlands, uh, which uh, has uh, was from a magazine or something. On the back of it is an advert for um, hair transplants featuring a Dick youthful Lawyer. Dick Lawyer. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's Every time she looks at her map, she can or she folds her map away, she sees <laughs> Dick Lawyer's face. In an advertisement for hair transplants. Yeah. Is, there any, uh, is there any other sports news, Gordon? Uh, there is, yeah. Um, Ajax got off to a good start in the Champions League on Wednesday. They won 3-0 against at home to AK Athens. Uh, defender Nicolas Taliafico scored two of the goals, including a spectacular dipping half volley in the last minute. He was honest enough to admit afterwards it was uh, it was an attempt to cross, but uh, catch it on YouTube if you can. It's quite spectacular. Uh, not such good news for PSV, who went down 4-0 to Barcelona with Lionel Messi scoring a hat-trick. And last thing, finally, good luck to the Dutch volleyball team tonight. They're playing their first second-round match at the World Championships after pulling off surprise victories against France and Brazil in the first round. So uh, oh. a, a, a rare success for Dutch men's sport there. Good luck to them. Yeah. Did a farmer hold a bunch of balloonists hostage? He claims no, they claim yes, in a dispute that, of course, happened in Brabant. <laughs> the standoff began on Sunday morning when the balloon with 19 people on board touched down in Bokhoven, near Den Bosch, around 8 a.m. According to the woman who organized the trip, we landed in the middle of a meadow with nothing on it but mown grass, but by the time we got there, the farmers were standing waiting for the ground crew. They were calling us all kinds of names, the crew members too. They were being difficult and threatening. In the end, the balloon pilot called the police in order to get the farmer to let them depart. The farmer, Joost Vuchs, told Omrope West that he had never held anyone hostage, but merely asked what the people were doing on his property. The Farmers and Gardening Association, LTO, has called for a review of the compensation system for balloon landings, because of course, there is an official compensation system in this country for balloon landings. At present, farmers are entitled to a payment of 35 euros for every balloon that lands on their property, but in return, balloons have the absolute right to land anywhere. Anywhere? Anywhere. Yeah. Oh. Um, and uh, what does the association want then? More money. More money. Oh. So they want 100 euros per landing, plus 10 euros per person. The farmers claim that the balloons damage their fields and scare their cattle, so they should be better compensated. We'll be discussing Budget Day, Weird Hats, and Belgian Horses after this word from our sponsors. Stay up to date with the news about the Netherlands with Dutch News. Dutch News is the country's leading English-language news website, bringing you the latest in news, politics, sports, and more every day. We cover all of the news about the Netherlands, in English, for an international audience. You can find Dutch News online at www.dutchnews.nl, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DutchNewsNL. This week, we'll be discussing Budget Day, or Princhesdag, as the Dutch insist on calling it. So, Paul, let's start off with, what is Princhesdag exactly? Princhesdag is the day where the new parliamentary year is uh, starts. It's the day on which the reigning monarch, King Willem-Alexander, uh, addresses a joint session of uh, the Dutch Senate and the House of Representatives, the Eerste and the Tweede Kamer, uh, in the Ridderzaal, the big building uh, of the Binnenhof uh, complex. Yeah, that's the one everyone photographs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, the king uh, gives the speech from the throne, therefore it's called 
the throne rather. Um, and uh, in this he sets out the main features of government policy for the coming parliamentary year. Uh, it is always held on the third Tuesday uh, in uh, September. Um, the king travels the 200 meter journey from uh, North Einde Palace to the Binnenhof by carriage. Usually that's a golden carriage, but uh, currently that one is uh, under renovation. Um, so like last year, this year uh, he traveled in a glass carriage. How long does it take to renovate a carriage? Years. Mm. I think they're planning on doing it for five years. And do you know what they use to clean the, the gold? In cyanide? Cyanide? No. Beer. Well, beer. Ah. Apparently, that's uh, very good stuff to clean gold. Mm. I and didn't the know Dutch that. don't have beer to clean the carriage with? No, but the Germans are experts in beer mm. and cleaning and gold. And mm. <laughs> carriage cleaning. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know what the nickname of uh, Willem Alexander was when he was a student? Prince Pills. Yes, so yeah. that seems fitting. Yeah. Um, so this year it was a glass carriage and, and later that day uh, the finance minister Wopke Hoekstra um, carries the budget in a special suitcase to parliament where he officially offers it to uh, the Tweede Kamer. Yeah. What does it say on the suitcase, Paul? The derde dinsdag in September. Yeah, just in case he forgets. Right. Yeah, yeah when, when to use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the two days after Prinsjesdag, the Algemene Politieke Beschouwingen takes place. That's the biggest and the most important debate of the year. It takes uh, two days. And officially the debate is about the uh, freshly presented budget. But the opposition parties are always too busy attacking the government, their coalition and themselves. Of course. Yeah. So, um, and this year um, um, Rutte had something else to do on yes. Thursday, he had to go to Austria where a, uh, a summit of the European Union leaders uh, uh, took place. So um, um, this year, they instead of uh, doing the debate on Wednesday and Thursday, it was on Wednesday and Friday. Mm. And today, uh, Mark Rutte, we are just watching it, and is uh, answering the questions uh, from, the, from the MPs. Yeah. Um, even though he's supposed to be somewhere else today, isn't he? Yes, he's supposed to be in the in, yes. the, in, in Austria still because the summit takes two two days. But uh, yeah, he has to come back to the Hague to do the to do the debate. And in his absence, uh, the Netherlands will be represented by Belgium. Right, of course. Yeah. So what do we think Belgium is going to make a move to do while the Netherlands isn't there? Uh, I think they're going to abolish infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> in the <laughs> Netherlands, yeah, yeah. they've yeah. already abolished it in their own country. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the other things on the agenda, I think, is uh, is, is summer is whether you um, abolish daylight saving time. Yeah. So uh, I can see what's going to happen here. The Belgians are going to abolish summertime in the Netherlands and wintertime <laughs> in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, so, w what did the king say in his speech? What was the uh, what was the takeaway from that? Um, there's a full translation of the speech uh, in English uh, online on the uh, government's website. Yeah, uh, what I was wondering, does somebody from Dutch News translate this? It's not from Dutch News. No, no, the government have provide their own translation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah we uh, usually do like a quick. Uh, uh, yeah, translation when it goes yeah, out, yeah. yeah, and then yeah. there's a full translation later. Yeah, mm. um, but it was mainly, yeah, it was, it was, the tone of the speech was fairly positive and upbeat because um, the economic figures uh, are good, uh, the outlook is, is positive uh, with the GDP forecast to grow by 2.8% next year. Um, but the king did point out that uh, the upcoming year is going to be a busy one and a tough one for the Netherlands with a new European Commission. And, of course, there is the whole spectre of Brexit. Oh, yeah, Brexit. How's yeah. that working out for everybody? Uh, yeah, not, not great for if, if, if you're a UK passport holder. No. Side note, is there still any like discussion about whether or not you're going to get booted out of the country? No, because nobody knows what's going to happen yeah. at all. That's, that's no. 
And, and when is... You and Paul could always get married. Yeah, I, no, I think we, that might actually happen, yeah. the way things are going. I mean, I think <laughs> Niels would also marry you. Like if you but, but, he really <laughs> wants to have a wedding, I, so... <laughs> I, I'm not going to say no to more pensions. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, um, so Gordon, what were the, the specifics sort of in the budget? I mean, you mentioned that the GDP is forecast to grow, but there's there's a lot of, like, other things that are sort of presented in this budget. We talked yeah. about the 30% ruling and the crazy yeah. ghetto plan, so... How about some other stuff? Yeah, but that wasn't in the... In the, in the no, that was in the... No, in the that was in the, the mad thing that uh, yeah. Dykhoff came up for. Yeah. That he was on a well, flight. the 30% ruling was not in the budget, which was what everybody was hoping for, yeah. that it would be in the budget. There's no change to it in the budget. Yeah. The dividend belasting was also in the budget. Yeah. The dividend tax will come on to. Um, yeah, so some of the other figures, uh, unemployment down to 3.5%. Um, and uh, the Kopkak Platches, which is always a thing that uh, we have, which are these <laughs> spending power pictures. Everyone loves a good Kopkak Platch. Yeah, indeed. Well, the politicians absolutely adore them and sort of live by them. It says the average household will have an extra 1.5% to spend next year. Sounds like good news until you realise that inflation is due to go up by 2.5%. So people aren't really going to be better off uh, at all. And the Kopkak Platch is one of these things that's sort of an art that uh, politicians have uh, developed over the last few years of actually structuring the budget in such a way that these uh, figures, which are compiled by the statistics agencies, they are done notionally independently, that they show that every income group, because it's broken down by whether you're a single parent, whether you're working, whether you're your age group and all the rest, that every single income group is going to be better off next year. So so this year they managed to twist the figures so that actually 96% of people uh, are feeling better off. Um, Yeah, because they always do this thing in the budget every year where they sort of predict what what the spending power for everyone will increase and like mm-hmm. it's broken down by income group and so they're always trying to like finagle it so as many income groups as possible. Yeah. Gerrymander the income yeah, group. Yeah, gerrymandering these yeah. income groups, yeah. We had a really good translated column from uh, Matisse Baumann, the mm. economist on the website, sort of breaking down why like the Koch-Platches is like really a terrible yeah. predictive indicator and this is not useful at all. No, so. no, 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 no. The basic thing is it, it, it sort of assumes that everyone's going to be in exactly the same situation at the end of the year as yeah. they're at the start of it. Like you're not going to get a new job you're not going to be promoted. Right. You're not going to have children. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Turns out things happen during yeah, the year. Apparently you people do you don't do get addicted things. to mango yeah. chili stroke. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem I'm experiencing yeah. at this moment. Yeah, but also another kind of um, uh, slight uh, uh, cloud on the horizon is that the structural deficit's gone up by 0.4%, and that's the amount of money the government needs to find if it's going to carry on spending at its current levels. Okay, so and they can't like, just take all of that from uh, from fines from the uh, from Ian Hay. Huh? They probably can actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that is my, and all of this kind of explains why, in spite of the quite uh, favourable economic climate, fifty four percent of people told a recent opinion poll they don't trust the government. Yeah, well, do we have a sense of why? I mean, Mark Rutte talked about this, this. The King also talked about it in his yeah. speech, right? That like things are from a numbers perspective, are, are doing better, right? The economy is growing, unemployment is down, but people don't seem to be, like, feeling this. Yeah. Is, there a, do, is there any discussion of, like, why people don't seem to be feeling like they're better in life? Well, I think they, they, they feel very well in life. Yeah. Whenever they do a survey on yeah. uh, what grades do you give your life, everyone gives their own life a very high grade. Yeah. Mm. But if you ask these people, how is the country doing, yeah. then yeah. they... Uh, give a very low grade. I wonder why the, the, the difference is. It's very yeah. curious. But there's a thing, even uh, I remember this being a thing, an issue at the election time as well, that a lot of mm. people were saying that, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm doing well, but the country isn't doing yeah. well. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the strange things that yeah, so, somehow often there is that kind of atmosphere. It's the same thing with crime. You know, you can see crime figures have been going steadily down for well over a decade. You know, the, what people call the fear of crime is yeah. going up. People are more worried about 
getting broken into or getting mugged in the street yeah. or whatever, even though it's happening less. But anyway, back to the budget. So, yes. Uh, Gordon, so people don't, don't, don't trust the government, and we've seen some of that in, like, sort of loss of uh, uh, trust in the coalition partners and those sorts of things, too. Yeah, right? and it's a, it's a minor parties that seem to be um, getting harder hit. As always. Did. As always, it tends to happen. Yeah, uh, Data Sestek and the Christian Democrats have lost... They're the both at polls. 11 seats now in the polls. Yeah, yeah. which means that they, obviously the coalition would lose its uh, um, majority. majority if there was an election now. Um, and I think it's partly, I have to, I have to say, um, it seems to be whenever there's an unpopular um, policy um, going through, uh, it always, Microsoft always seems to manage to find uh, a, um, a partner in one of the other parties to put it through. So the abolition of the referendum, which was deeply unpopular, was being put was, was the responsibility of uh, a D66 minister, Kaisa yeah. Olmken, which, of course, was the irony of that, was that D66 was the party that wanted to right. bring the referendum in in the first place. Hey, you and, know, Mark yeah. Rutte, excellent politician, man. Yeah, and the most really unpopular is. measure in the whole bu budget is the dividend belastic. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. We did a whole podcast about the dividend belastic. We did, indeed. I think indeed. we can link to that, but maybe you can talk about what people were sort of hoping that maybe it would go, it would appear in the budget, it would not appear in the budget, what were, what were what were people? Uh, I think all the opposition parties are lined up against this measure yeah. and really trying to put pressure on the government. I think it's pretty inevitably it was going to be in the budget because um, um, Mark Grutter is, is, is very seems to be very keen to abolish the dividend lasting, which is the tax that um, foreign shareholders pay um, on uh, shares held in Dutch companies. Yeah. And Grutter argues that uh, if, if they don't abolish this. Uh, this tax, and there's a real risk that uh, large multinational companies will go elsewhere. Even though Unilever, for example, one of the biggest Dutch multinational companies, has recently um, pulled out of its London base. It still has operations in London, but it's no longer got these joint headquarters in London and Rotterdam. It's going to be solely based in Rotterdam. And they've said that if the dividend belasting stays, they've actually got a contingency fund to compensate their British shareholders. Yeah. So there's very little evidence that this would happen, and yet uh, Rutte is absolutely adamant that uh, it needs to be scrapped. Yeah, and yeah. this was also a thing that was like not in any of the party platforms, yeah. that it not just sort of, kind of no. appeared out of nowhere, and yeah. now all of a sudden it's like a thing that we have to do, even though basically no one wants it. Yeah, yeah. I think 11% of uh, people in the in opinion polls said they supported abolishing the dividend I bet dividend you find 11% of people who think Hurt Wilders' hairstyle is better. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's, a that's a low that's a low. Number. It's a very low yes. number. But yeah. the Rutgers defense uh, is basically, he says, uh, okay, we can scrap it now, and uh, or, or we, c we can stop scrapping it, mm. um, then my poll numbers will rise uh, enormously, immediately, but I'm not here for uh, a popularity poll, Rutgers says. He says, I'm here to uh, uh, do it for the longer term. And if we do not scrap the dividend tax. Um, and that does mean that companies that were considering to move from London to the Netherlands or, uh, or companies that will move from the Netherlands to somewhere else and that will result in a loss of thousands of jobs, then what? Yeah, then, then in 10 years, people would say, we wish we, he, he would have done it. Yeah, that's what it, he says. But yeah, still, it's, I know. but either way, it's a gamble because you don't know what the effects are. No, it's all ifs, buts, and maybes, isn't it? And uh, I'm not sure how much uh, real concrete evidence there is that any company is uh, sort of seriously thinking about pulling out wholesale if uh, this tax isn't. Um, I yeah. have I not seen anything that <laughs> indicates that it will. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is. I mean, 
think it's a stupid policy, and they should they should keep the dividend blast. And during the summer, um, um, more and more news came out, and uh, it it turned out every time that it will uh, cost more money and more yeah. money. Mm -hmm. And uh, initially, they said it will cost 1.3 billion euros, and now we're almost at two, yeah. or even more than two. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's gonna cost more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially considering the economy is rising. I mean, companies are moving here anyway. Like, the Netherlands has something that other countries in Europe don't have th that can offer from companies coming from Brexit, which is that there's a high, you know, there's good infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, there is a high level of spoken English here. Yeah. It, you know, things are very well regulated. Like, uh, you don't need the dividend. Yeah. You could raise and the dividend blasting. You're still going to end up with yeah. a bunch of British companies coming here. And the skilled here. workers as well. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you move out of a company, you know, where, where are you going to get the labor from? I mean, yeah. Netherlands has got one of the best, you know, yeah. one of the best records for having yeah. highly skilled technical workers uh, in, in, in Europe. Yeah. So and uh, are there more tax plans in the budget? Yeah, there are tax plans. Um, there's a general shift, I think, to um, tax less on work and more on spending. So income tax is being streamlined over three years and it will be reduced for most people. And we'll, instead of four tax plans there are now, there'll be two. So low, low limit of 37.05%, which is a very Dutch figure. Yeah, <laughs> um, if you earn less than 68,000 euros, which is about double the median wage. Um, and then a top rate of 49.5% for everything over that. Uh, corporation taxes are also being cut, um, which uh, I think is a, you can see is a, reflects the fact that I think uh, the Netherlands is trying to be aggressive in attracting companies in this kind of post-Brexit world. So they're going down from 25% to 22.25% for public limited companies, uh, NFA companies, and 20% down to 16% for BFA companies or private limited liability firms. Uh, and on the spend on, on the consumption, the lower rate of VAT or BTV is going up from six percent to nine percent. So your grocery bills, your newspapers, it will cost more. And several haircuts, which are already colossally expensive in the Netherlands, will get even <laughs> cost you even more. So what else is the government spending money on, Gordon? Uh, there's going to be more money for elderly care. They've uh, invested about 2.1 billion uh, euros in that. Uh, the government's also earmarked 11 billion for primary schools, and that uh, follows the campaign by teachers uh, for better pay and a series of uh, uh, one-day strikes uh, by primary school teachers. Uh, they want uh, their earnings to be closer to uh, what secondary school teachers uh, get. Uh, higher education is getting another 0.8 billion. Uh, there's also 200 million for regeneration projects in Gronia, and that's to compensate for the shutdown of the gas production. Uh, and that itself is going to uh, dent uh, 300. That itself is going to cause a 300 million euro dent in the budget next year. There's also a 23 million Brexit fund at the Justice Ministry, and that's to finance extra border and customs checks once Britain leaves the EU. And it's part of a total Brexit package worth 100 million euros. So, so there is a government that is uh, making preparations for Brexit. Sadly, it's not the British government. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because there are a lot of Dutch companies that uh, trade with the UK yeah. and uh, they have no idea how customs work. So yeah, they're going to mm. have to be uh, taught in how they, uh, yeah, especially how they are going to have to deal with that. Yeah, if you're a small company, obviously, and then you trade with the UK and it's never been a problem for you, all of a sudden mm -hmm. you've got all these new regulations to deal with. There's yeah. even like a Brexit scan you can do on the um, tax services website to see how Brexit will affect your <laughs> business. Brexit scan, nice. Yeah. Um, so how much of a worry is Brexit, other uh, than for you, emotionally? For, for me, emotionally enormous. We won't get into that. But I think it probably is, honestly, the biggest single threat on the horizon right now, just because it's so unpredictable. Yeah. I and mean, we know um, uh, a no-deal Brexit, the CBS has calculated, could cost the Dutch economy anything between 1% and 2% of GDP, which could be 16 billion euros, yeah. um, and affect more than 200,000 jobs. I think it's really significant that they actually held up the budget debates, which is the biggest political set piece of the year, so they were going to go to Austria for what was actually only an informal summit yeah. to discuss Brexit. Uh, spoiler, it didn't go very well. Yeah. Uh, for, um, is, is anything with Brexit going well? 
No. No. Except that Boris Johnson still isn't prime minister yet. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm hanging <laughs> That's on to. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to Dutch politics. What yeah. else is uh, What else are people worried about? Um, well, the uh, the government I think is worried about the low confidence because next March we've got the elections to yes. the provincial assemblies, and yeah. on the back of the back of that we will get the makeup of the next Senate, and the government only has a one seat majority in the Senate as it does in the Tweede Kamer, um, so there's a very high chance it will lose its majority, and then it's going to have to start fishing around for support from opposition parties. And the biggest opposition party at the moment is GroenLinks, who are absolutely vehemently against the dividend belasting. Yeah. So, so that's, that's going to get be, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, you saw that in the debate on, uh, on Wednesday, that all the parties are basically, instead of debating, they are basically having a campaign rally uh, broadcasted live on television, uh, and they are all... Uh, preparing for these uh, provincial uh, elections. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, are we done with the serious stuff? We've yes. talked about a lot of numbers. Yeah. There's a lot of like boring numbers. We've talked about tax, we've talked Talks about uh, Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's lighten up a bit. So the, the content that all of our listeners are here for, the Hujes Parada. <laughs> so of course, no budget day is complete without the Hujes Parada. Women traditionally wear very decorative hats during the event. Sometimes the hats are used to show a particular political opinion. This year, I thought the hats were pretty tame. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mariana Tima um, instead used her dress to make a statement about eating animals. She's from the Partei van de Dieren. Yeah, I think she had a lot of feathers. So made out of feathers, wasn't it? And yeah. every feather had the name of um, either. A, a, uh, a producer of um, uh, you know uh, vegetarian food right. or a type of vegetarian food you can eat or something like yeah. that. Um, but also, I thought the most interesting hat was Maxima's because it was sort of tilted so that uh, her face was completely covered from her husband. Yeah. 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 Maybe they were having a bad morning. Yeah, I think there's some kind of coded message in there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But when, uh, not you forgot to take the bins out. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, he didn't load the dishwasher correctly. <laughs> and honestly, you deserve to be shamed for that. Not letting women have all the fun, though. MP Selzik Oosterk of Denk wore an orange fez. He's yeah. very fetching. I liked it. Yeah. Did he not put a poll up on his Twitter page saying which hat should I wear? Yeah. I, I think did. so. I think I, think yes. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, um, PVV MPs uh, took selfies with him because of this. They yeah. really liked uh, mm. his hat too. Yeah. yeah. Irony. Yeah. It was a it was a good hat. I liked it. It was, was really good. He looked hat. very fetching yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. It was the only man with the hat. I know. Mm. And also, uh, Dank. There was a there's a really great picture of like the Dank the people from the the MPs from Dank like because of this hat right so they, they had took some sort of took some nice pictures of them all like all together but they're definitely the most attractive uh, party block I think in the parliament <laughs> more, more than there's the PFAs there's some, on the there's some good looking men in this 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 group I'm just saying you know you got to step it up if you want the the women's vote that's what I think so Paul there was also some alpef around uh, horses belgian horses tell us about the belgian horse situation yes so on Prinsjesdag, this parade, uh, uh, they use a lot of horses. A lot of horses. And the Dutch cavalry doesn't have enough horses to fill in all the spots. So <coughs> Hang on for a second. Um, your country still has an actual cavalry? Yeah. Because they fight, a lot of, they fight a lot of wars with horses these days? We discovered recently that the Dutch military doesn't fight any wars at all. They're involved in non-aggressive intervention. Yeah, mostly giving yeah. money to ISIS, <laughs> yeah, right? No, That's give, what they do. Giving cars to ISIS. Yeah, yeah. giving give pickup ISIS. trucks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But not horses. Not no horses. horses. No, no. So, they don't have enough horses. They don't have enough horses. What do you do? Uh, so, they, uh, the organization of Princess Dark Parade, they 
travel around the country and I ask all the, the horse owners of the Netherlands to let them borrow their horses for the parade. Uh, and they also ask the Belgian cavalry to uh, let them borrow their horses. Uh. So uh, on the days before Prinsjesdag there are a number of rehearsals throughout the Hague and also on Scheveningen Beach. Gordon uh, knows everything about yes. that. We took some, the, Gordon took, took, took some nice pictures of this on our Instagram page. Yes, I went up to the beach. My, my son's a big fan of the horse parade so we always go up to see the rehearsal yeah. on the day before Prinsjesdag. But on the rehearsal they have more horses than you actually need so they can cherry pick all the oh, horses. So it's they, like America's Got Talent for horses. Yes, and only the Glenis Gracious of horses can uh, can take part in the in the parade. Exactly. Mm. But that means that we have, you know, if you're standing on the, uh, if you're watching the TV and you see all these horses, then you have no idea that you're actually watching Belgian horses. Yeah. Belgian horses. Yeah. Yeah. It's so terrible. Are the Belgian roads so bad because of the horses churning up the town <laughs> every time <laughs> they come yeah, to yeah, yeah. take part in printed stuff? They, yeah. they do too many parades. Yeah. So what else? Was there any other good gossip? Any other interesting things happen? Um, yes, it was the longest Troonrede ever. Yes. It lasted 27 minutes yeah. Yeah. and the king all of a sudden started to become very sweaty and he was also, uh, yeah, he, he made some, uh, he, he wasn't, it wasn't the best speech yet. Yeah, yeah it wasn't totally fluent, was he? No. Uh, yeah, he no, hesitated no, a few no. times, noticed that. Yeah. Because his sweaty, but his sweaty head really, um, yeah, yeah. It, it was really noticeable, but apparently it's almost 30 degrees in the Riedersaal oh, because God. it's so... Yeah, it's so crowded, crowded and yeah, and lights camera and lights and stuff yeah. like that. Um, uh, Maxima, her dress, she uh, she bought it on the internet. As you do. As you do, yeah. It mm. cost uh, 3,600 euros, but that's still cheaper than when you have a fashion designer yeah. specifically designed it for her. Uh, and uh, Prince Constantine, the king's brother, had a beard. Yes, beard. he did have mm. a beard. He had a beard. Yeah, yeah. Right. apparently he doesn't have a beard usually. No, yeah, yeah. you forgot about that. I forgot about him not having a beard. No, but no. he doesn't. Yeah. No, he looks like a child actually without the beard. <laughs> the beard is the beard is fetching. He should keep it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Well, Prince Constantine, if you're listening, yeah. keep the beard. The, 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 the beard gets the thumbs up. Yeah. 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 Is, is it uh, is, is it better than Thierry Baudet's beard? Is it? I mean, yeah. is anything in the world better than Thierry Bernays? <laughs> <laughs> Thierry Bernays nude Instagram photos, maybe, Gordon. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I just really worked hard to forget about that. Don't worry, yeah. I'm going to keep reminding you guys. I'm Good. here for that. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can send comments, compliments, and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, you can subscribe to our feed, give the podcast a rating, and share it. My thanks to Paul Paters and Gordon Derrick. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back next week. Yeah.